Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin Acey, Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. That is Ryan Finley, sports editor of the Union Tribune. There's good news and bad news, at least from my perspective. We're in the dog days of spring. A lot of good players have been gone for a week or so. We're down to like the last roster spot battles. Uh, You know, we've been here for a month, but that means the season is close. I have spent the last week watching Tim Lopes and Brandon Dixon and and, uh, Brent Honeywell and Rangel Ravello and, and God bless them. And guess what? They are some of the best players in the world. But the best players in the world are playing in the World Baseball Classic. They're not yes. here. Yes. And a couple of them are coming back. Kevin, you know, I know that you've seen sort of, you know, these sort of minor league games the last week or so. The first two Padres to return from the World Baseball Classic are going to be Hassan Kim and Xander Bogarts. Korea and the Netherlands were both eliminated. Um, Kim, it looks like, is in. I mean, he was mashing overseas. Uh, Bogart struggled a little bit. Uh, this is a double play combination. This is a, a, a duo that needs to be sort of on the same page. Is there enough time for them to get sort of together and get that bond going in time for March 30th? Absolutely. They're uh, both really good players. Uh, Hassan Kim is a, is a really good defender. Not saying Xander Bogarts is not. That's just not why they got him. Uh, they both look, they both uh, been uh, hot and cold, both through spring and at the WBC. This is good news for the Padres. A little bit, you know, to your point, it gives the double play combination, middle of the infield, a chance to work together. It gives two really important players to the Padres a chance to kind of, you know, get back, freshen up on the rules. I don't know if you've been watching the WBC, but, and, and, and I get it and I'm kind of all for it. And I'm kind of all for there being different rules for the playoffs in major league baseball, but these games are taking days in comparison to what we've been seeing in spring training. And I think what we will see in the regular season uh, get. So what my point is, get these guys uh, able to, you know, back into the new rules, the uh, everything. Uh, the, the pitch clock in particular, uh, what they need to do as batters, but also the the uh, not being able to play. You saw Xander Bogarts get dinged a couple times in spring training. His back foot was on the grass, you know, just things that need to be that need to be, you know, second nature, muscle memory mm-hmm. stuff that have been built up over years. They need to, to get used to. So I think this is good news for the Padres. Plus, you got two guys back in camp. I don't know about you, Ryan, like. Watching these games, I don't have a dog in the show. I'm not uh, paying these guys' salary. I'm not a fan of the Padres. I'm, a, I'm I cover the Padres. I'm a fan of good baseball, though. And mm-hmm. I want these guys to come back and play, and so that I can cover a really exciting season. And it's like, man, I hope they make it through healthy. So the Padres will be, um, you know, they're rooting for their guys, but they'll be happy when they're all back in camp. When you and I were in Peoria a, a week or so ago, uh, the Netherlands was playing its first World Baseball Classic game, and it was going to be a late-night game. And I remember you saying, if something happens to Bogarts, wake me up, <laughs> which, is, I'm sh- which is, I'm sure, the way Padres management feels about all this, right? The World Baseball Classic's a cool thing. It makes for great television, but they want these guys back in camp and preparing for the start of the season. Yeah, everybody's being a good sport. Everybody loves – uh, promoting baseball and all that. But I mean, the reality is that the Padres have built themselves quite a team and uh, they're, they're ready for the season to start with all of these guys. Right. A little bit of a different approach from, I would say like 48 of their previous seasons, like the, like the year, the season is the thing, right? It's not the world baseball classic. It's not player development. 
It's not identifying roster spot guys in camp. It's like get to the season because they're supposed to be pretty good. Yeah, you know what? That That's really it. And that's kind of like my, my thing that I uh, am fighting here. I have all the respect in the world for everybody who's in this camp, the high level that they play at, the fact that they're in a major league camp. It's just different covering these guys now, knowing what the real Padres look like. Whereas yeah. in the past, these would have been the guys who've been getting excited about, you know, the fans would have been pinning their hopes to. And now it's like, but this isn't the complete team. I know this is an important part of the process and we'll get to like some of the battles that are happening, but this, this isn't the Padres. Right. Right. Well, and we've had this, you know, this is kind of a parlor game too. You know, how many guys who you've seen over the last week would, would you in another year be writing a story about, Hey, this, you know, or would this person be a fan favorite? You know, I think of somebody like Alfonso Rivas, right? La Jolla Country Day, um, families from Tijuana, was born on Interstate 805. Ten years ago, maybe this guy's playing first base for them. Right? <laughs> let's see, let's go back to 13. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. I mean, this guy is uh, is battling for a roster spot, and, and he's not really right now. Um, right. He's at a fine spring, uh, probably put up some good numbers in AAA, and you can see him on the Padres this year. But that's not something you're, like, rooting for. Right. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Right. The one major leaguer who you are seeing in almost every day now is Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, he got his first couple of hits in spring training on Saturday. His second hit off the wall, hit it pretty good. Seems like he's getting more into a groove. I know, Kevin, that you put no stock in spring training batting averages or in what somebody does. but is it does he feel like he's getting closer to opening day ready yes because he feels like he's got a lot more confidence in the shoulder the wrist is to a point where he can take all the batting practice that he wants and that's important to him he hits a lot and 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 you've seen him out there more uh the other day you know he sat out what sunday just mm-hmm. as, a, as a precaution, I want to call it an injury scare at all, but it was a, just as a precaution. He got hit uh, in the knee by a pickoff throw by Mike Clevenger, who, by the way, um, got booed every time his name was announced by, by Padres fans in Peoria. Imagine if his pickoff throw had actually caused damage to Fernando Tatis Jr. Mike Clevenger would uh, not be welcome back in San Diego. Uh, but but t- the, on Monday... Tatis put in as full a day as I've seen him put in. That's not to say he hasn't put in full days, but he was out uh, before eight o'clock in the morning hitting and was out on that field hitting, doing offensive drills and shagging balls for three hours straight. And then was going to DH in the game and played right field because he was healthy enough and ready and wanted to Uh, starting to look more comfortable in right field. I have gotten an absolute kick out of Fernando Tatis Jr., who, as everyone knows, is charming, is a funny guy, knows baseball, and he has just been having fun with the angst over his over whatever it was, 16 start. He's been cracking me up, and I uh, that my long answer to your question is yes, I feel like he feels he's getting there. Remember, he doesn't play till the 21st game of the season. He will stay in Peoria. He will then have, a, what, a 15-game minor league assignment, play, what, thir- 12, 13 of those games, and, and be ready for uh, the start of the season is the anticipation. Or it's the start of his season, April 20th. Right. He, he's ineligible to play in the World Baseball Classic because of the suspension. I think that this is notable, Kevin. Maybe you don't. Uh, they're taking him everywhere, it seems like, it, throughout the Valley. I mean, this is you know veterans and superstars generally don't travel to – Places like 
Surprise or to Little Ohio in Goodyear. And, you know, he's been on the travel roster a couple of times. Is this just trying to get him rounding back into form or, or what's the, the rationale? Yeah, I've asked about it. I mean, you're, you're right about that. Now, there is some interesting uh, differences this year without the guys uh, playing, without the WBC guys here. There have been a few more veterans like Matt Carpenter went to yeah. Goodyear. And that's about as far as you can go. Maybe not as far as, say, Tempe, but um, there, there have been it. It's how it worked out. It's how their schedule worked out. It wasn't like a punishment for Tatis or anything. It's that he was ready on the 28th. That was a road game in Scottsdale. With the way the schedule was and the every other day nature at first and all that, it is. It has been notable. But I've also noticed that there have been more veterans on these away games than usual. Sure. Kevin, you mentioned earlier that you know really the only drama that's left is trying to figure out some of these final roster spots. Uh, obviously, Tatis is going to free up a roster spot by not being on the team for the first uh, almost three weeks of the season. How do you see that last outfield spot and you know maybe an infield bench spot shaking out at this point in camp? Yeah, you know what? It makes sense, and especially if uh, Lopes or and or Rugnet Odor playing well, that you would have one of those what I think are two spots. Adam Angle, I think, gets a bench spot. And, uh, you know, provided that he continues to show that, you know, he's what they think they, he is, that uh, you go with one infielder and one outfielder. Uh, the infield spot. Odor brings you uh, experience, uh, some power. Lopes has played in the majors, nowhere near as much as Odor, uh, and is having a heck of a spring. It's It's like – Wow, that's going to be really interesting how it finishes up. If if that guy leads the if that guy leads the uh, cactus league in hitting and has done everything you've asked, he's got speed as well. You can employ off the the bench. It's not like any of these guys are going to come in as a defensive replacement. All right, you're not taking Juan Soto out in the eighth inning because you've got a one run lead or something. Uh, you're not you're not you're not taking any of your infielders out. But uh, that's going to be really interesting. Outfield. Azokar, Jose Azokar, uh, David Dahl. Azokar obviously was here last year. He's got the speed, the defense. I mean, all things being equal, I think it's Azokar that's on the that's on the roster. But those are really your two spots that that you're you're looking at at this point. You had a great note uh, just the other day about Azokar and, and sort of his developing power. That you know, here in camp, he's showing that he can hit the ball over the fence. He had what one home run last year? All last zero. Year? Zero home runs. He has how many in camp this year? He has one. But here's the interesting part of that. And I always love to see this, right? You see a guy in batting practice and you go, wow, he's driving the ball more. You see a couple shots in games where, you know, they're outs. But, wow, that was to the wall. And it, it uh, was didn't look like an Arizona fly ball. It actually sure. was legit. You're like, wow. And you talk to him and you see what he's doing. And then he hits the home run. You go, okay. And, yes, we thought last year Zokar had zero pop. Well, the guy was trying to survive in the big leagues. His game is more, you know, what, what Bob Melvin called the intrinsic things. You know, he can bunt very well. He can run very well. But if he adds some pop, too, then, you know, some, uh, has the ability for doubles, triples. He definitely does. Maybe that's another thing that they can look for, especially those first 20 games. Uh, and he's also hit lefties a little bit. Or, I'm sorry, hit righties a little bit better this uh, spring. Sure. And maybe this is just because the name is sort of top of mind here. To me, there's a little Manny Margo in him. And especially if the power can develop a little bit more. I mean, a guy who can cover a ton of ground in the outfield, he's really good on jumps. Um, 
you know, maybe not a guy who's the starting center fielder on a World Series contender, but somebody who's certainly on the roster. Yeah, I, I, I like that because I always thought that that's what Manuel Margot could have been. Um, you know, you put him on the Dodgers or something, and, and people think of Manuel Margot very differently uh, five or six years ago because he's used differently. Uh, mm-hmm. And and I think that Manuel Margot probably has a, a greater upside. Has certainly accomplished sure. more, but uh, I, yeah, I I think that the Padres have become that team now that can right. use a guy like Azokar. Sure, sure. It, again, we're talking final roster spots here. You know, pitching wise, I mean, obviously there's still a lot that we sort of yet to learn about their rotation. You know, you Darvish is pitching for Team Japan. Um, when you look at the bench spots that are left here or bench spots, bullpen spots, how they're going to shake out to start the season. Uh, where do you see that going? I think we got to start with like uh, Bre- Joe Musgrove. If Joe Musgrove and Drew Pomeranz were healthy, there are no spots, right? Um, yeah. But but Joe Musgrove probably is missing a start. I think that anybody who's followed this uh, along has seen that, that Joe Musgrove is shooting to pitch on April 6th. That's the team's seventh game. Uh, that seems very realistic. I mean, by the way he looks, you would you would not be surprised if the Padres were saying that, oh, no, Joe can make opening day start. Well, that's not what they're saying. They're specifically saying that's not what they anticipate still, even with his, his progress with the fractured uh, big toe. So that leaves you a spot for Jay Groom, who I, I say Jay Groom because I think it's his spot to lose at this point. Not good outings for Honeywell or Tehran. I don't think that they had um, impressed the Padres quite as much as Jay Groom, um, but they were certainly in there, and especially Tehran. But big outings for those two guys coming up to sh- to even, like, I think even have a shot to break with the team. But it looks like it's Jay Groom that would probably do that. Now, is there another spot available, and how would the Padres decide to do that? Like, will Groom be a – will he get a spot start? That's certainly possible knowing that – like, I don't think if, if Musgrove was going to miss a month – that they would go with a six-man rotation. I, I don't think that's where they're at unless Groom, right. you know, I think they'd be like tentative. Let's see how Groom does, right? Um, but, yeah, I think that Groom could get like a sixth start and, uh, and you know, on the, the sixth, the final home game of the first homestand. Uh, and then Joe comes back and you see what you do then. If Pomeranz, who is throwing, as we tape this on Wednesday, tomorrow – uh, against batters and can get in a Cactus League game this weekend, that gives him a week and a half more to get ready for the season. And if he breaks, then there that's it. That's your pitching staff right there. Unless, you know, I, I the, all along the Padres have uh, talked about that the bullpen is basically set. Well, you know, Stephen Wilson got blown up the other day. I think his stuff was good. Everything was fine, but we got a couple of weeks to go. What if, uh, you know, what if some other guys, what if Morahone is, is healthy and he's coming back and pitching well uh, there, there's maybe some wiggle room there, but I think the pitching staff's pretty much done. And the big questions are, is it's groom's job to lose as sort of like the swing guy, uh, long relief. And that if Pomeranz is going to be healthy sure. for the start. Any update on Morahone? Uh, you know, again, he, as we talked today, he's healthy. probably at the doctor right now, uh, getting an MRI. Look, um, I think they'll be surprised if this is something big, but you just you don't know, and it's going to be up to Morahone, the team, Morahone's people, 
Um, he was throwing 96. I mean, that's where he was sitting this spring. He'd been throwing very well. I know the numbers weren't good, but he had been throwing well. They were really working on a lot of stuff with Adrian Morahone, including his times to the plate, uh, it, trying to get him to uh, – you know, expand his repertoire that he didn't have to use last year, only throwing 34 innings as a, as a long reliever coming back from Tommy John. And they knew they wanted some starts from this year. They wanted some long outings. So they were reintroducing like the change up in different pitches. So I promise you, he was doing much better than the numbers looked. Um, and he has a chance to be on this team, especially like the stuff that we talked about, whether Pomeranz is there or not. They don't think he's 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 hurt that bad, but but we'll see. I mean, I don't want to mess around. I don't want to downplay it. It's, the, it's his elbow. I mean, who knows? Sure, absolutely. Uh, somebody who I think both you and I thought might be a, a dark horse candidate for this bullpen now isn't anymore, and that's Craig Stammen. I want you to talk not only about sort of his injury, but you know, you've been around him more than maybe any other Padre since you got on the beat. Uh, he's been around. And it seems to be um, somebody who's not only very universally respected, but was a very good baseball player for a very long time. Yeah, you know, and you you heard that from just a lot of people over the last couple of days when Craig has all but said that he's done. Like, you know, a guy in his position, if he wants to stop just short of assuring everybody that he's done, that's absolutely his right to do. But he said that it is highly unlikely that he pitches again. He has... Uh, further damage in his shoulder. He pitched through and was still pitching through a torn rotator cuff um, and then had some a couple other things happen uh, last Friday. And so Craig is, is pretty much done. Yes, I believe, I think the Padres were rooting for it, that Craig would continue to pitch as he did early on in spring, right up to the end actually, uh, and that maybe he would be the guy that could fill in while Pomeranz was uh, still getting healthy if that's what was necessary. I've uh, you grade on a curve. There's two athletes I've covered in my career that I would hold up as just top of the line humans, right? Um, and that's Philip Rivers and Craig Stammen. Now, Philip Rivers, that's remarkable since he was a quarterback who made hundreds of millions of dollars, was constantly in demand, and he was the most down to earth guy that could possibly be. You'd expect that more of a reliever. Right. You know, and, you know, his circle of influence is generally pretty small. Craig Stammen was universally respected. And I, you know, a lot of times people uh, made fun of me for saying that. And but in recent years, and especially toward the la end of last season, players started to talk about that. And I'm talking about position players. Uh, started to talk about how important Craig Stammen was in that clubhouse and uh, how important he was in sort of uh, building a, a culture and and making team important and is just a good human and it is a it is why people in the organization were rooting for him to be healthy because they wanted to be able to put him on the team. He was going to have to earn it. They're too good now. You can't have sure. just like a guy there. You have to be good, right? Like Nelson Cruz has to be good to stay on this team. It's awesome to have him around, but he's got to be hitting. Uh, so uh, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a big loss. I, it's not a loss like, uh Oh, but it's a big loss for the Padres. Right. Craig Stammen's made a lot of money in his career. He seems to be a very bright guy. He will be just fine in life. Is there a chance the Padres bring him back in some other capacity? 
I, I absolutely believe there is. I think Craig might want to take some time. He's got a young family that's very important to him. He's got a son who's just starting to play baseball, uh, five, six years old. Uh, and that's, that's, you're right. Craig will be fine. Uh, but one thing I've learned, and there's the reason that uh, Cole Hamels is still around, who, by the way, is looking fantastic, according to everybody. Uh, and wow. could, could, you know, look, with these types of things, as Craig Stammen just showed, now the difference is Cole Hamels got his rotator cuff repaired, and that's why it's taken him so long to, you know, come back. But, you know, this could not go well at any point with Cole Hamels, but people are very encouraged, uh, even surprised at how well, uh, how good he looks. Um, but as Cole Hamels is showing, and I've seen it in countless players, when it's over, it's over, man. These guys love this game. Craig Stammen doesn't need another dollar in his bank account. He wanted to be a part of this because he was here when they sucked for a while. And, and he really wanted to, uh, to be in there. He very much enjoyed the champagne. He's not a drinker, but he's very much enjoyed the champagne showers last year. And, uh, and he wanted to, to be in the ultimate one. Uh, so to answer your question, I think he will be around, but I think it's going to take him a while to process this. That's the first thing I thought of, Kevin, was this guy sat through a lot of losses. And yeah. then they finally get not only good, but potentially great. And he's right there and he's still on the team. But He'll be on the minds of a lot of guys if they do win it all. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys will will be calling Craig and, 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 and texting him and thanking him and, and saying that he was a part of this. He's that kind of guy. Sure. Are, are there other guys like that? You and I have never talked about this before. Are, are there other guys that, that if the Padres ever do make it to the big stage, they will be thinking about? Um, are you trying to set me up here? No, not at all. Uh, because Eric Hosmer will be one of them. Uh, yeah, that's that's just the fact of the matter. And, and sure. what, that's OK. Uh, there's been so much turnover recently that off the top of my head, I can't think of like if this had happened a few years ago and there were still some more guys around and Will Myers, you know, would have talked about, I don't know, Krista Norfia or, uh, you know, I am not sure, but uh, that's uh, there. There's this team is just so incredibly different. Like now the longest tenured Padre is like, it's a tie between like Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr. I mean, uh, I'm sure I'm missing someone else that started uh, the, the, uh, the lefty reliever. Uh, well, he's the longest tenured in the organization, right? right Jose right. Castillo. He will the not be has. on the opening day roster. Um, if he hasn't been optioned already, he will be. Um, but yes, Jose Castillo is the longest tenured, but in terms of the major league roster, it's yeah. guys who started in, in, in 2019. That's incredible. That is incredible. And, and just a further example of how differently built this team is. And not only every team ever in Padre history, but built very differently than many, many big league teams. I mean, this is, uh, yeah. I'm writing totally a story different. now for the special section that, once again, it's, I'm trying to find new ways to talk about that particular concept, but it's right. that they just weren't satisfied, right? Like, they, they weren't satisfied with the pitching they had. They weren't satisfied with Fernando Tatis coming back. Right. They weren't satisfied with the trade deadline uh, acquisitions of Juan Soto and Josh Hader. Had they stopped at, you know, any of those. Right. Like you'd be like, hey, it's a pretty good team. They were not. They, they, they don't want to be a pretty good team. Right. That's 
man, can it be opening day already, Kevin? We got 15 days. Tell you what, I've been trying to project the sunny excitement uh, that this podcast deserves, but I could not agree more. The, the, all the drama and craziness of the first couple of weeks, I was very thankful for because that's how I felt when spring training started. It's like, right. wait a minute, after you've gone through October, after you've gone through this offseason of adding more players, the roster's almost set. I was like, what are we even here for? We're here to pass the time and get everybody stretched out and ready. It's not there, There's nothing left except let's start opening day. And guess how I'm going to feel in April? Bring on October. I'm not <laughs> – look, I want to keep everybody's expectations in check to a certain extent. This team hasn't played a game. They haven't won a playoff series. But the National League is not very good. The Padres probably are going to make the playoffs, and that's all I mean is that you like – Part of this season is about kind of managing so that they once again are peaking. Whether they win 100 games or 85 and get in the playoffs, it's about doing what they did last year and playing their best baseball at the end of September and October. Absolutely. And, and again, people forget last year because of the playoff run, people forget that this was a team running on fumes in September. It's I can't wait for the first trap I fall into. I want to put include myself in there as a guy who follows him day to day and has to find stuff to write about and can get kind of caught up in like whatever crisis is happening. I try to keep perspective. Um, and, and so I want to include myself in there. But that fans fall into when they've lost four in a row or uh, Robert Suarez has, you know, uh, blown a couple saves, whatever, in the eighth inning, you know, at, you know, or Josh Hader goes through struggles or Juan Soto's having a week-long slump or whatever. I, I, I look forward to that and, and how we all handle it because the crazy thing that we all tend to do is forget exactly what you just said, you know, yeah. and what I was talking about. Yes, you got to play the games. You got to win enough games, but it's about playing your best baseball at the end of the year. Last year, the Padres showed that. The Phillies showed that. In an opposite way, the Mets showed that. The Dodgers showed that. Yeah. The key is to try to be the Astros, right? Where you just, like all year, you're just kind of like this. That's what you'd yeah. love to be. Right, right. You get 3% better every month, and then by the end of the season, you're really good. Yeah. Kevin, we're coming up on the 30-minute mark. Is there anything that you're going to be watching here in the next couple of days, anything fans should look out for? I'm going to be watching the Dominican Republic play Puerto Rico this afternoon, San Diego and Arizona time, because uh, could have some pretty important guys headed back or they'll stay in Miami and continue to play this weekend. And then I'll be in Miami this weekend if they're still there. So, uh, yeah, I'm watching that. And like I said, Jay Groom, does he continue to, to be this guy who, by the way, uh, and he knows it, he's the guy they got for Hosmer. Or something like that. He's the guy they got for giving the Red Sox $40 million or, you know, but however you want to look at it, uh, th this is their last chance to sort of salvage that in the minds of, uh, you know, a, a good portion of, of, of the fan base. Fantastic. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Hot Lava Podcast for Kevin AC. I'm Ryan Finley. Kevin, when are we going to do this again? I say before opening day. Let's do it before opening day. Fantastic. All right. For Kevin, I'm Ryan. We'll see you next time.